1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them
2: change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice,
0: but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do.
1: Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We are the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure.
0: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts.
1: Good day Irish fans. Welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. I am Vince Daddario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com and joined with me as always is Sir Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com and it is uh, Monday December 14th and we have breaking news that we want to share with you and uh, get the backstory a little bit. We talked. Uh, last week in our, one of our podcasts about Clark Lee and his flirtation with the Vanderbilt head coaching position. And come to find out, it looks like he is taking that job. They're just, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and all that fun stuff. And uh, it probably won't be a three-week background check like at Notre Dame, but uh, they're, they're looking to finalize things. So, what does that mean? What are we hearing? First, let's talk about kind of How this all went down, what we're hearing uh, about the job and and about Clark Lee taking that job. So, Brian, I will throw it to you, sir.
2: Well, Pete Thammel from Yahoo Sports was really the first to report that it was essentially a done deal. That by sometime this week that it'll become official that Clark Lee is going to take the head coaching job at Vanderbilt. And we talked last week about how we had heard that he was emerging as the leader. Right. Uh, And which was sort of a change from the originally the athletic director said that she wanted to have someone who had an offensive background. It sounds like she has has come around on that, which (laughs) I think all all smart people do that. You have I have a feeling, but I'm open minded that if somebody that doesn't necessarily fit the mold that I'm looking for. Uh, comes along, then we'll be open to that. So it's a good sign that she was willing to say, hey, look, this is what I want. But if somebody comes along that's better, that maybe doesn't fit that part of the criteria, then we're going to look at them because Clark Lee flat out, I think, had the most upside uh, for Vanderbilt as a program when you look at – all the different, I mean, there, there's other coaches that would certainly give everything they have to try to turn Vanderbilt around, but I don't know if there's anyone that will be in as invested as Clark Lee will when you consider his family background, the fact that he played at Vanderbilt, and those kind of things. So, and I think he's a great fit for it as well. I, I personally would have a hard time taking the Vanderbilt job because it's just a, for the reasons we stated last week, but obviously Clark Lee, um, looks at it from a completely different standpoint because it's his alma mater. So it looks like that deal is going to be finalized. Everything that I'm hearing is, and Brian Kelly alluded to this on Sunday night in his press conferences, Clark Lee's not going anywhere until Notre Dame season's over with. Right. Um, And and with signing day on Wednesday, and this deal is not expected to be done till Wednesday, the early signing period, I don't think recruiting is going to be a major focus. Vanderbilt will have a lot of their class already signed. They just got a commitment, I think, yesterday from a kid. You know they don't have a head coach, and they got a commitment from a kid. So it's a a good um, point that you make, though, because if
1: this was ten years ago, for example, and Clark Lee gets this job, he's got two months before Mm -hmm. the the signing day, and so he Mm -hmm. might be. You know, he would have that whole. I really need to focus on recruiting at my new job, but I need to pay attention to what I'm doing at Notre Dame. You know, that juxtaposition. Now, there's going to be some guys out there in you know that he might be able to go after, but I just don't think his attention right. would
2: be as much at no. the new job as it would have been 10 years ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, You're absolutely right, and I think that there's a lot to that. Because remember also, like for one example that was brought up today was Mark Richt back then, I think 2000 when he was the offensive coordinator at Florida State, got hired to to take the Georgia job, but stayed on at Florida State to coach them in the national championship game, and they got drubbed, or didn't get drubbed. They got beat in a low-scoring game by Oklahoma, but the offense for Florida State got drubbed. That was an explosive offense with Chris Winkie at quarterback, and I think they scored like nine points in that game. Uh, but th- but remember, back then December January was the most important time for recruiting. That's right. Uh, classes weren't filling up so early like they are now. And, you know that was at, you know right after the Lou Holtz era. If you guys remember Lou Holtz era and then early Davy era, uh, a lot of recruiting classes get put together starting with the the banquet in December until right. February signing day. So the recruiting landscape has changed. Vanderbilt's going to have a lot of guys signed. Now, Clark Lee is looking at this as a reclamation project. And I mean, he has to. He's a smart guy. He understands you're not going to go there and win 10 games next year at Vanderbilt. Right. He in it for the long haul, in my opinion. And so the focus is going to be on Notre Dame. Plus, that's just who Clark Lee is. Uh, you know, I just, from a character standpoint, from a personality standpoint, he's not someone that I believe is going to be kind of half in and half out. He's going to be locked into what he's doing at Notre Dame. Uh, and, and we saw that with Charlie Weiss. I mean, remember, Charlie Weiss was the offensive coordinator for a team that went and won the Super Bowl right. while he was recruiting for Notre Dame. He yeah, just he structured. This is my Notre Dame time. This is my Patriots time. And, and I'm sure Clark Lee will be doing some of that because he's not right. going to go from here till January 1st and not focus on the Vanderbilt job at all. Right. he's just going to be very structured this is my time where I'm focused on this this is my time because he is on gonna
1: that. have to put together a staff I mean there
2: are things that need to be correct
1: accomplished there's no question
2: correct so you know I, I think that's kind of the latest of, of what I expect to hear with that so I, I do expect Clark Lee to be focused because here's the other thing even if Clark Lee is a selfish self-absorbed person which he's not but right. assume the worst in him okay it is the best thing for him is for Notre Dame to finish the season in a successful note. Absolutely, that's going to be the greatest recruiting pitch he can have. Is look how look look what we did to Clemson in the rematch. Look what we did to Alabama or Ohio State in the semifinal game. Look what we did in the national title game. Hey, look at this national title ring I got. Right? I mean, so there's there's it's in it. There's something in it for him beyond just his affinity for Notre Dame and the players that he's built the relationship that he's built in and you know finishing what you started. So there's all these reasons that from a character standpoint, Clark Lee is going to be locked into to doing the best he can at Notre Dame. But then there's also the Vanderbilt side of things. It's best for Clark Lee to finish strong at Notre Dame. I'm so, um, you know, so I, I expect that news to break sometime this week. I could see them maybe holding off until after the game, you know, to announce it. Yeah. But, but the, re- the reports <laughs> are that it's going to happen by midweek. Now, what we don't know, is if they're going to announce it by midweek or if it's just going to be signed and then they wait till after the game. I, um, if I'm I, Clark I, Lee, I wanted to wait, I think, until... But, it, I mean, the, the problem is, is, you know, just the, the way that the media works. And I, this isn't a bad yeah. thing. I mean, it's not the media's job to protect no. programs. You know, you no, get scoop, you go with it. Uh, I personally would have waited on it because I cover Notre Dame and it's in our vested interest to, to, you know, not have something like that out that could, could create a distraction. However... Uh, Pete Damwell, Adam Rittenberg at ESPN. They're not. That, that's not their job. Their job right, is to exactly. find news and report news. And so again, I, I have no issue with what they did. I just think the timing of it is not ideal because now that's going to be kind of something that's going to be a distraction to players. I would, I would be curious to see what Notre Dame does on Tuesday night with their player availability. Uh, I have a feeling that if it was me and I was the, you know, running the sports information at Notre Dame, I would not have any defensive players available down for them. Yeah. I would have Ian book and Liam Eikenberg and offensive players, uh, because you're going to be less fo- you know prone to ask that. And it'll be easier for them to shoot that down. You know, Hey, um, that's, we're not worried about that. So, uh, but even if they have defensive players, they're going to be coached. Hey, sure. Our focus is on Clemson. We're not worried about that. So uh, that's what I would, that's where, that's where I think everything stands
1: right now. Let me ask you this. Um, You know, I don't, I don't personally know what the relationships are between Clark Lee and other assistants that are on this Notre Dame staff. It wouldn't be out of the ordinary for, you know, somebody leaving to take a head coaching job to take somebody or multiple somebodies uh, with them to elevate those assistants uh, on their staff, et cetera. So do you foresee Clark Lee taking anybody from this Notre Dame staff with him?
2: I think he'll try. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, Mike Elson's not going anywhere, right? I, at least not right now. Correct. I think, I think the only way Mike Elson would leave is if, uh, you know, he tried to get the defensive coordinator job and, and didn't get it. But even then, I mean, Mike it's Elson's about twice. And, and we'll talk about this. We're going to have another podcast either later tonight or tomorrow uh, where we're going to talk about some of the top candidates for the position. But, um, you know, I, I don't think Mike Elson's going anywhere. I could see potentially Clark Lee trying to take Terry Joseph with him. You know, Terry, I, I, from what I'm told, again, this is just this is what I'm told. I don't know if this is true or not. This is just what I've been told from certain sources, that uh, Clark Lee and Terry Joseph uh, get along well. Uh, he was behind – again, this is just what I'm told. I'm, I'm not saying this is a fact. This is just kind of what I'm told. Yeah. That Clark Lee was the reason after year one Terry Joseph was named pass game coordinator for the defense. So, they do work well together. And I think if you're Clark Lee, having a guy when you're at Vanderbilt with Louisiana connections would not be a bad thing at all. Sure. Um, You know, so I think that would be really smart. So, uh, he knows the defense, he knows how Clark Lee likes to coach and those kind of things. And I think Terry Joseph would like to be a defensive coordinator. So, I think that would be one that makes sense and and if he doesn't get promoted to notre, at Notre Dame for this job i would i would be surprised if clark lee doesn't try to take nick lazinski with him as well sure uh, nick lazinski is a has been either an analyst or a graduate assistant at notre dame for several years now and when I talk to linebackers and I'll talk to linebacker parents, when we've talked to linebacker recruits, they'll mention Nick Lazinski a lot. Um, Clark Lee has given Nick Lazinski a lot of responsibility to coach the players. Sure. Um, Vince, we've seen at practice at times where Clark Lee will be over there working with the Rovers. Right and Lazinski will be working with the inside linebackers, not just like the backups or the freshmen, but working with the starters or vice versa. Clark Lee will be with the inside guys, and Nick Lazinski will be over there working with the Rovers. So, um, you know, I think that could be a scenario in which Clark Lee could – could potentially make that move if Nick Lazinski doesn't get promoted to be the linebackers coach at Notre Dame, which we'll get into later. Right. Uh, that could happen depending on how the staff shakes out in a lot of other areas because, as I said in our previous podcast, I don't think this is going to be the only coaching turnover at Notre Dame this offseason. I expect yep. this to be the first of potentially several, which is what happens when you have a good program. So I think those are two guys that I could see – Clark Lee trying to take, and then, you know, there may be some back office guys that, you know, maybe there's an assistant to somebody that he thinks could is worthy of a promotion as a, as a recruiting, you know, coordinator type of situation. It would be smart for Clark Lee to take as many Notre Dame people with him as possible because there is such a, a a carryover between the type of student athlete you pursue at Notre Dame from a character academic standpoint Compared to what he would be at Vanderbilt. Now you're not going to go after Gabriel Rubio. You're not going to get that kind of guy at Vanderbilt, right? You're not going to get the high level players. But there are some guys that Notre Dame has recruited that are that are similar, you know, that three star kid that's got the traits we're looking for, that's got the character we're looking for. I think that's his wheelhouse
1: there. Yeah, right. So
2: yeah. I would imagine there'll be some people like that that'll take with them. I, but I don't think it's going to be a huge <clears throat> number because, again, it is still Vanderbilt and, um, and Notre Dame's got kind of a good thing going right now. Absolutely. So uh, since, uh, you know, if you followed our podcast, uh,
1: you know that we are sponsored now. So we mm-hmm. need to take a quick break here and uh, let you
2: know about one of our sponsors, Brian. Yes, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged and they're most efficient and uh, challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. With you
1: with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do.
2: 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month. And this is according to ComScore, and it's referring to total visits. So it's clear Indeed can get help, can get you the help. Uh, that the, get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide are are using Indeed for hiring. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a
1: free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a $75 credit at indeed.com slash bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere so go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through december 31st terms and conditions apply okay so Carkley has not been at notre dame very long but the stamp that he has put Mm -hmm. on notre dame is substantial um and and that started when, uh, when Mike Elko came, obviously and he mm-hmm. brought Clark Lee with him. Uh, but of course uh, Coach Elko only stayed for one year, headed off to Texas a and m can't blame him for that. It was quite the payday. Um, but uh, that, that Elston I mean I'm sorry, that Elko Lee pl- you know legacy. W- mm-hmm. What is that legacy to you? What, what, what is that and, and again, three years, <clears throat> but th- this is a different defense uh, than the one they took over.
2: Yeah, I think what it showed is it broke down a lot of barriers. It, it, it eliminated a lot of the excuses that people used for why Notre Dame can't win. You know, when you look at the 2012 defense, and really Bob Diaco had good defenses his first three years. I mean, he was they had a good defense in 10 and 11. Sure. It wasn't the dominant unit that they had in 12. But Notre Dame was dominant because they were really big and physical. And you expect the Notre Dame team to be big and physical. What Clark Lee has done and, and, it's again, it started with Mike Elko, and Mike Elko deserves credit for laying that foundation, bringing sure. Clark Lee with him as his linebackers coach. Uh, and then, of course, Clark Lee built on that tremendously well the last three seasons, and they were here a total of four years, is, hey, look, number one, the whole you have to recruit five-stars thing. No, you recruit talent. You recruit talent with upside. So, yes, sometimes that's going to look like a five-star, a.k.a. Kyle Hamilton, Right. right. Sometimes it's going to look like a three-star, a.k.a. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Right. Right? And, and it's about development and finding length and athletes. And there are kids that fit that mold that can thrive at Notre Dame. Uh, and so you break down a lot of those barriers. Well, you know, Notre Dame can't play, you know, with the big boys because they can't get the edge rushers that you need. Yes, you can. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know, can they really have dominant defensive lines? Yes, you can. Uh, can they really play with teams in the secondary? Yes, you can. And, and so I think it showed that, Hey, you can be at Notre Dame and be a fast athletic defense. And you don't just have to be that big physical team. And you just know if you get matched up with Alabama or or a team like Clemson, you're, you're going to be in trouble, you know, that kind of thing. It's, Hey, we can, we can do it this way. And I think he also showed that you can be complex, but simple all at the same time, if you know how to teach and, Brian Van Gorder didn't understand that. He thought it was all about showing the world how smart I am. Clark Lee's whole mantra was, let me show how you know, how, how good our kids are. And and you can do a lot of different things, but you got to make sure they can do it effectively. I, I'm still moved by a conversation that I had with him the first, after his first season. It might have, I can't remember if it was after his first season or before his first season, but it was either, it was somewhere in that time frame. I was interviewing him for the magazine, so I got a chance to sit down with him for about an hour. And I remember he said something to me. He goes, he goes, you know, first meeting we, we were at, you know, he told my assistants, I was like, I, I'm, stop telling me what these kids can't do. Stop tell, I don't want to hear anymore what a kid can't do. Tell me what they can do. And then we're going to figure that out and then we'll build around it. And I just think he's always kind of been that way, you know, and we see it time and time again. You know, he's not asking Nick McLeod to play the same way he asked Troy Pride to play. And he didn't ask Troy Pride to play the same way he asked Julian Love to play right you know he's changed his defense I talked to a a a coach in the ACC that's played Notre Dame multiple times in the last few years and 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 he was explaining to me that what they're doing with their secondary this year isn't what they've done with their secondary in past years it's a lot different now the basic premise is the same of, of who they are defensively but they're they're using it differently because their strengths aren't the same. They mm-hmm. don't have the same kind of safeties they had in the past, the veteran players. They don't have a 4-3 a guy in Troy Pride playing the field corner position or the bound – they don't have a, a first-team All-American playing the boundary position. It's a different look. And so he uses it differently. He used, He's used Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa differently at Rover than he used Asmar Bilal the year before or Drew Trankel the year before that. Right, so, right. That, that to me is just that kind of thing like, hey, it's about the kids. Number one, no more excuses about how you can't recruit elite players to Notre Dame, okay? That's done. And elite player doesn't equal five-star. Elite player means are you an elite player in college, okay? right? Um, that's done. Number two, you can be complex without trying to prove everyone how smart you are. It's about being a teacher first. I think he showed that that's the way to go at Notre Dame. And number three, it's about creating a culture of accountability and excellence. Mm-hmm. And, and I asked Brian Kelly about this in the press conference on, on Sunday night. You know, there's twice this year he's talked about how just the defense didn't play well. First, which is going to happen. I mean, in 2016, when Clemson had that brilliant defense that eventually went on to win a national championship, they gave up 40-some points and a loss at home to Pitt. You're going to have off days, right? Um And he said, you know, I asked him, you know, then if you look at the two games afterwards, they were excellent. You know, so after the Florida State game, which was the first time the defense did not play well, they went out and just destroyed Louisville the next week. I mean, that's still – that to me was the second most impressive defensive performance all season behind North Carolina when you consider how good Louisville is on offense this year. And that was when Javion Hawkins was still rolling. And so they held him to a career-low 50-some yards, career-low as a starter to like 51 yards. And he was averaging 150 yards a game, which kind of became a theme. And then the game after that, they annihilated Pitt, held Pitt to under 200 yards. And they played with a chip on their shoulder in both games. And then they had the, the Clemson game. And I don't think the defense was happy with how they played in that game. They, they did play. They sloppy. They had some missed tackles, gave up some big plays. And then you look the next week, I just, they harassed Phil Djokovic for 60 minutes, you know, and, and did a really good job against that team, you know, especially when you consider, you know, BC goes up 7 to 3 early and Notre Dame fumbles on their next possession and BC gets a short field and they hold them to the field goal. I mean, just. And then the game after that, obviously, they, they just destroyed North Carolina, right? which yeah. I think the North Carolina offense was better than the Clemson offense that they faced. Now, it may not be better than the Clemson offense that they're, gonna they're going to this face this weekend yeah, because right. they didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but that version of Clemson was better than is not sure. as good as North Carolina. And, and I think that kind of shows to me, like, there's a standard that Clark Lee set. And we we it doesn't matter who we play we're gonna live up to that standard okay yeah great we beat Florida State forty two to twenty six not happy because we're we're better than that right right that's not acceptable for who we are and it and it wasn't even about are you winning and losing games and this is something I've said for years you can't be result oriented you can't be because the result tends to 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 kind of you focus on the result, you lose sight of how to get there. And the, the thing you learn about Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, they are never result oriented. It's process oriented. And if you win a game over an inferior opponent, but you, you didn't do what you're supposed to do, we're not happy as coaches because we didn't recruit you here to beat Louisville. We recruited you here to beat Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia, right? And I think Clark Lee established that level of accountability, that standard of, I don't care about winning and losing games. I I care about us playing to to this standard every week because those types of coaches know that if the players meet the standard, the winning and losing takes care of itself. And that's what I mean, like not being result-oriented. Yes, winning and losing matters. But when you're at a place like Notre Dame, it's about setting setting a standard of excellence. And if you achieve that level of excellence – And that's your goal week after week after week. You're going to see less playing up and down to your competition. Because it's not about we're playing pit. It's about dominance and and execution and doing our job. And when your focus is on that, you don't get as wrapped up in what's on the other side, good or bad. And I think that's something that we've seen. And I think that's a, a, a culture that Brian Kelly needs to, uh, to continue to, to carry on now that doesn't, right. It is big. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to hire from within, although I think that he will, because that's who Brian Kelly is. I think there's outside hires that I would look at too, and we'll get into that later, but whoever it is, that has to be the standard of excellence week after week after week, no matter who you play. And I think that ultimately is the kind of culture that Clark Lee is leaving behind and the kind of culture he's going to try to establish in Vanderbilt. It's going to be a little harder to do that in Vanderbilt. Well, that's <laughs> it's a whole Dane, other conversation. But that's but who yeah. Clark Lee is.
1: So I want to get your thoughts, uh, your final thoughts. But before we do, uh, I want to hear from one of our, our final sponsors, uh, Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Don't forget to use the promo code Blue Wire at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, Brian, I, I want to get your thoughts, and I want to I want to give my thoughts here as well. Um, just your your personal thoughts on Clark Lee uh, finally leaving Notre Dame.
2: I'm not surprised by it. I mean, you know, Vince, you and I have been talking on podcasts on since the summer that we both expected this to be Clark Lee's final year. Yep. I'm a little surprised it's Vanderbilt from a football standpoint, but the more I dove into this and did my homework, it, it makes a lot of sense, and and it really fits into who Clark Lee is. And, and Clark Lee is is a is a guy that I think focuses and it, Mike Elson's similar to that way. There's there's other Notre Dame coaches that have been this way. Mike Dembrock was that way where football is important but there's a lot of other important i'm not going to be defined in my life by being a football coach i'm going to be defined first and foremost by being a husband and a father and i think those things factor into it you know that's one of the things i've respected about i mean i've respected even when i even when i was critical of mike elson as a defensive line coach early in his tenure at notre dame i always respected the kind of person he was and and how important it was for him to be a husband and a father first Uh, And and Clark Lee has a lot of that to him as well. And so uh, I I think he leaves behind, um, to me, a a legacy of excellence. I think that he is someone who shows that you don't have to be the typical football coach to get the best out of your players. Uh, Vince, you and I have been at a lot of practices. Clark Lee's voice is rarely one that we hear. Uh, He's intense. He's always talking. But when we're far away, we can't always hear it because he's a teacher. He's not a cusser. He's not a screamer. Whenever he's yelling, it's yelling so that more people can hear what he's having to say. Not because he's like, yeah, right, right. It's a volume thing, not a I'm embarrassing you kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, I think that I think he, he treated them like professionals, but still like kids. And what I mean by that is, the relationship is important when you're dealing with college players sure and and a lot of times when you say well you know they got to treat them like professionals there's a lot to that into and from from treating them like professionals is you set a high standard you set a level of accountability uh you you know you hold them to that standard there's consequences for not living up to that standard um you know we're going to teach we're going to demand we're going to practice hard we're going to do all those kind of things but they'll the, the also understand that these are still kids. These are still 18, 19, 21-year-old, you know, 20-year-old kids. To me, they're kids. They're always going to be kids. And I don't mean that as a, as an insult. I mean, that's the, – the, when I had my players over my house, it was like the, that was my that was my – I didn't have kids. That Those are my kids. You know, that was my family. And, and and that means the relationship is a big part of that. And so, Clark Lee wasn't like Mike Elston in the regards that they were over his house all the time. That That was different. But – but right. but there's different ways to do that. The, the players knew that he had their back. The players knew he had their best interests at heart. The players knew that everything he did was geared towards helping them become the best players and men that they can be. And when he didn't meet up, meet that standard, he would hold himself accountable and they would know right. it. And, and I think those are the kind of things where having that balance between treating like professionals from a football standpoint, but treating them like college kids. In a life relationship standpoint, is very hard to do, and I think Clark Lee did that exceptionally well, uh, and, and I think that's a big reason why he was successful. But also, Vince, this is an incredibly intelligent person. Uh, this is an incredibly bright football coach who, yeah. you know, and, and not in the weird Bob Diaco creepy kind of way, right? Like more of a just a really quiet, almost introverted uh personality deep thinker thoughtful but then could turn those really deep thoughts into practical simple go execute type of ways and being able to take complex systems and teach it in a way where the masses can understand is what makes a a a brilliant person a great teacher and clark lee was a great teacher uh, because he could take all the complexity that they wanted to do defensively make it simple and get his players to play with confidence. And I think those are things that allowed him to be successful at Notre Dame and are going to carry over to, to what he does at Vanderbilt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll echo that you, you were pretty comprehensive uh, in your thoughts about him leaving. And, and I, I agree. I'm going to miss uh, the cerebral nature of his coaching. Uh, I, I, I identify with that uh, personally. Um, and it's always fun to cover a coach that you identify with, right, uh, that you respect. Uh, and and he, he checks all those boxes for me. I just, you know, he's young, up and coming. It was clear. And you, you mentioned the family aspect. That's always been important to me as well. Uh, and so, like I said, it, it's nice to, to cover someone and to follow a team that has a, a coach that uh, shares your values uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to how to coach on the field and how to operate life off the field. And and uh, so it's disappointing that he's leaving. He's an excellent mm-hmm. coach. I mean, he brought this defense to a place where, you know, th- this is uh, one heck of a team, and the defense was there before the offense, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, the offense kind of followed in the footsteps of the defense. And mm-hmm. he was the architect of this defense. I mean, Mike Elko gets a lot of credit. Of course, he's the one that laid the foundation, but, but Clark Lee took it to that next level. And mm-hmm. I was ecstatic when he got the job in the first place i thought that that was a home run hire um and i he didn't have to go that route because clark lee was he didn't have you know defensive coordinating experience Mm -hmm. and we we covered all that when that happened um so i think it was a great hire i was excited about it and he clearly uh showed brian kelly that he was up for the task so Uh, I'm disappointed as an Irish fan that he's leaving, but I'm also very much looking forward to following his career and what he's going to be able to do at Vanderbilt, because I think it's not a stepping stone job for him. I think he wants to be successful there.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: will he go on to bigger and better things at some point? Yes, I think he will, but it's not going to be a two year, three year and run thing for him. Um, and I, I respect that about him. I, I think this is a good fit for him. Uh, Again, as much as upset I am as a a Notre Dame fan, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm excited for him and his family and what he's going to accomplish. So, you know, congratulations to Clark Lee. And uh, I'm excited to see what is in store for Notre Dame and where they're going to go with this. And we're going to have another podcast about those potential hires. Who is going to be the next defensive coordinator at Notre Dame? Is it going to be an internal hire? Maybe, Uh, but there are some definite candidates out there. And we're going to highlight those on our next podcast. Uh, so make sure that you stay tuned for that. And of course, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't publicize what we're going to be looking mm-hmm. to do this week uh, from a podcast standpoint. Uh, Wednesday is National Signing Day. We're going to have all kinds of coverage from a podcast standpoint uh, about National Signing Day. We're going to have an, uh, a class breakdown, an offensive, a defensive. So all kinds of exciting stuff coming up. And and we're also going to have a, a podcast about what does it mean for Notre Dame to play in this ACC championship mm-hmm. right now and big picture? Mm-hmm. So lots of good stuff coming we'll up.
2: Also, We'll also have some specific breakdowns of the game later in the week oh, after signing yes. day. We'll, we'll yes. dive into matchups and keys to the game. We'll have an yep. offensive podcast about it defensive podcast about it and then of course on Friday we'll have our game predictions podcast
1: yes sir so lots of good things coming uh so make sure you stay locked in not only to our podcast but to irisbreakdown.com uh because there'll be all kinds of fun uh interesting information over there as well so again make sure you stay locked in and we will talk to you next time